This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. Hello, this is Will Wheaton. Yes, that Will Wheaton. No, no, the other the other Will Wheaton. You are the worst. You're listening to Cosmic Potato. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and sitting across the virtual table from me is John Irons. How are you, sir? You know what, Sean, you're right. Your name is Sean Ray. It is. It is. It always has been. (laughs) And filling out our panel for tonight is Rick. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm spooky! (laughs) (laughs) This is our Halloween special and... uh, I realize now that how long we've actually been doing the show because this is the third Halloween show that I've done. And uh, the first one was the three of us. And then last year I did one with Anthony. And uh, since the theme is Halloween, I thought we'd start things off by th- playing a quick round of Rotten Tomatoes. Um, if you've not heard us play this in the past, I'm going to name a film. In tonight's case, they'll all be horror or monster movies. Uh, Rick and John will have to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score was for that film. Of course, Rotten Tomatoes is a site that takes all of the reviews for a film and compiles them together and uh, gives the movie a grade, which can be anywhere from 0 to 100%, depending on how good the critics thought it was. Whoever gets closest to the actual score gets the point, and the one with the most points after five titles, we're only going to do five tonight, will uh, will win the game. Thank you, Drew. And <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me find something to write on. This box will do nicely. And all right, so I'm going to name a title. If you need, I mean, you probably won't, but if you need to know uh, who the actors were, the director, I'll let you know. You guys guess the uh, the uh, critic score. Okay, so the first one is Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Rick, what do you think that score was? Oh, that's considered a classic, though I've never seen it. Um, it's Betty Davis. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm going to go pretty high on that one because it's like a, a venerated film of of note, and I'm going to say uh, nine point three. Uh, well, is zero to a hundred? Is oh, the, is zero percent to a hundred? I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just testing. Uh, uh, I was like, nine point three is pretty low. That's kind of low. <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, I'm thinking IMDb scores. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, uh, 93%. Yeah. 93. Okay. John? Um, I I agree because it, it's, it was already um, well-loved by the time um, Rotten Tomatoes started doing its thing. So I'm going to – I'll go even higher. I'll say 97. Okay. The critic score was 99. No! Oh! Okay. <laughs> so that goes to – that one goes to John. 
the audience score was 87%, but we're going with the critic score. Uh, the second one Suck is Children audience. of the Corn. <laughs> <laughs> Children of the Corn from 1984. Rick, what do you think that one was? This is starring Peter Horton and Linda Hamilton, directed by Fritz Kirsch. I know it has about a million sequels, most of which were straight to video. Um, but again, this one is usually spoken of with reverence for the first one. But it is a horror film, and critics generally are not nice to horror films. So let's say 87%. Okay. We're, John? We're, very, we're on the same mind tonight, Rick. <laughs> um, I'm thinking uh, the I've, I've seen it, and it's, it's, it's pretty good. The sequels were not good. Um, it was good for an 80s horror movie, I should put, I should put it that way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like high 80s uh, critics might even be a little harsher. So what did, what, did, what did you say, Rick? I think I said 87, right? 87? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll drop that down a few, and I'll go like 82. <laughs> It's actually 38. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, John, you were closer because you were lower, so I guess, <laughs> I guess you get the point. <laughs> okay, uh, number three from 1992, Candyman. Uh, the immortal Tony Todd. Have you um, seen this one? I have not. Um, it's, in a, it's in a... Okay. When it comes to horror films, most some of y'all listening probably haven't heard me on The Little Pot of Horrors, which is an awesome Simply Syndicated podcast, by the way. Uh, but I am something of a wuss when it comes to horror films, and there are certain categories of horror films that I will not watch. And slasher films are right up there with just – I'm not in the least bit interested. I watched 1982's uh, – um, Friday the 13th. Good lord, my brain is just not working tonight. <laughs> you know, I watched the original Friday the 13th on video, and it uh, it's still, there are scenes in it that haunt me today. Um, so I, I don't do well with certain types of horror movie. And uh, Candyman, I saw a bit of one of the sequels, I think, I saw where they showed him getting his ha- arm hands sawn off, which was not fun. Um, anyway, uh, this one is a classic amongst horror fans. However, it does not generally rise to the same level as the others. I'm going to say 74%. Okay. Um, John? Yeah, Children of the Corn was like a 30-something. Candyman, I'm going to give like a 12. (laughs) You don't give it enough credit. It's a seventy percent. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seventy. Audience score was sixty-one, but the critic score is seventy. So that point goes to Rick. I thought you were going to one dollar him again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the uh, number four from two thousand nine. Drag me to hell. Oh, that movie. Starring great. Allison Lohman and Justin Long, and directed by Sam Raimi. Mm. Rick, what do you think about that? Have you seen that one? I have not. No. It was um, really good. I heard. It's a good movie. It's one that I kind of want to because Raimi (sighs) Raimi kind of pushes me to my right up to my 
comfortableness <laughs> limit. Uh, you know, I watched the Evil Dead, uh, the original Evil Dead, not too long ago. Uh, I guess last year for the first time, and uh, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> if you don't like gross, you want, and, and it's not even it's not even gore. It's I know, gross. <laughs> and I, that is why I haven't seen it because I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but. What do the critics think of it? I think it was not well received. I'm going to say 44%. Okay. John, what do you think? See, I'm going to, I'm going to go the other way. I think the critics, um, uh, at, at, by this point, were, were down with Raimi and the whole tongue-in-cheek thing and kind of uh, subverting the genre. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I would say that he, like, the tide had turned by this by this point. So I would I would say they rated it highly. I'd say they gave it like an eighty five. It's actually a ninety two. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, a good, it's a good movie. I could not have so, been more wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so John actually won, but we're we'll go ahead and do the last one anyway. Um the last one is the two thousand ten remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring uh Rooney Rooney Mara, Thomas Decker, Jackie Earl Haley. What do you think about that, Rick? Never saw any of those movies. Uh, I don't. Man, this is the this is the remake. The remake, yeah. Just a few years ago, yeah. And I'm 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 trying to because I know everybody I know that are fans of the original loathed the remake. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't remember any of the critical buzz. I'm going to say twenty. Okay. John? Yeah, that sounds about right. I've, I've, I saw the um, original series and sequels. I've not seen uh, the remake, but I'm just gonna assume it sucks. So I'm gonna <laughs> give it. A, I'm gonna give it a two. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? It was a fifteen. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> it was fifteen percent. So. What John, John still wins three to two. I'm, I'm happy with but two that on that kind of, in that category. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our topic tonight, instead of just doing another show where we name our favorite horror movies, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of our favorite monsters and villains because uh, sometimes a movie is bad, but it has a great monster or a great bad guy, and sometimes there's a film series that has the same villain all the way through. So we're gonna talk about some of that tonight. So. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this time around. Uh, my first pick is from the movie The Mist. It is The Mist. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, the film version of Stephen King's story, not the the one that was directed by Frank Darabont, not the TV series right. uh, that comes on. I think it comes on Spike TV because I'm not. I haven't decided if I like that or not. I've seen like four episodes, but um, The Mist itself was not. The monster. The monster was in the mist, or rather, there were many, many monsters in the mist. But, uh, but the mist was a presence throughout the entire film, and you knew it contained a lot of danger. But as in a lot of horror movies, what you find is that the monsters on the outside are not as scary as the monsters that are on the inside. Because in this movie, we get a group of people that are trapped in a grocery store, and if they go outside, they get eaten by a monster. But the things that happen when they start turning on each other can be more terrifying than the creatures, you know. But it's all brought about by the presence of this mist. You know, whenever somebody goes outside, the mist starts to thicken around them. And when it starts getting thicker, they know something's about to happen. 
So, uh, so yeah, the mist from the mist. So is is I, <laughs> is I, I haven't seen one. it. Is the mist like is it sentient or is it like just like is, is it is it one of is it like the cloud formed monster? Or is it just like a consequence of the monsters? It's a cloud. That, now I don't know exactly how they explain it in the show because I haven't gotten that far. It may be sentient in the show, but in the movie. It is a cloud that kind of connects our world to another dimension, mm. and these creatures are able to come gotcha. through it. So it just it thickens around you. You can't see. You can't see your hand in front of your face, and then you get attacked, and it's over. You know. So. All right. Okay. Which way you guys want to go? You want to go to Rick next? Sure. Okay. Rick. Uh, okay. Well, let's 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 come out swinging. The xenomorph from Alien, Aliens, etc., etc. Oh, okay. uh, the Alien franchise has been uneven, might be a generous <laughs> <laughs> term. Uh, however, the first two movies are absolute classics. And uh, while most of the movies have sucked in various ways... The alien or slash aliens themselves have always been consistently freaking awesome. Um, you know, they are, as described in the original film, they are almost a perfect organism. No, no, uh, uh, what the heck does Ash say? No, no delusions of morality or, or conscience. Uh, you know, they have one job and that is to survive and they are damned hard to kill. They are persistent, they are remorseless, they are relentless, and H.R. Giger designed the perfect monster. And there have been numerous attempts to copy it. No one has ever even come close to duplicating or, or even coming close to, that's what I said, <laughs> the, the alien, the xenomorph. <laughs> nice pick. Oh, thank you. Um. Okay. Along those same lines, in terms of a, a nigh-perfect monster, I will do The Thing from John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, yeah. The shape-shifting alien yeah. who is... You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use one of my coins here. Gross as fuck. <laughs> 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 and, of course, the thing that makes it most terrifying is that it could look like anybody. Like you won't know that this this horrible creature is next to you until it's too late. Um, and being a shapeshifter, like it, you know, I think it's it's vulnerable to fire. But you know, you don't want to just set random people on fire just in case. Although eventually you do kind of get to that point. <laughs> I think I'll probably get to that point too. Um, so yeah, and and that's again, it's. There was a remake recently, or relatively recently, uh, which I didn't see. And the John Carpenter version, I think, is actually a remake in itself from like a fifties movie. It kind of, um, yeah, yeah. Although they they have about the only yeah. thing they have in common with the thing from outer space is they find an alien in the Arctic. <laughs> That's right. about where the similarities end. Yeah, so it it is, um, you know, it is. It will always be on like my top five. Uh, you know, best horror movies um, ever. 
You know what? I don't think I've ever I've ever actually sat down and watched the thing. Oh, it's, dude! It's it's got the special effects still hold up. Amazingly. Oh yeah. I mean, well, they were all they were all practical. So yeah, it was know. like 80, yeah. 82, 83, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I mean, you would think that because again, you know, we were just talking about you know eighties horror movies. You would think, given what the visuals had to do in this film, um, that it would look cheesy at this point in you know twenty seventeen with all the CGI. But it uh, no, still still gross, still works. Yeah, it's one of those that you, 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 I've known about it my whole life. I know how it ends and all that kind of stuff. I've just never actually watched it. It's on my list of things to do before I die. <laughs> you know what? Out of, of all but, of the horrible things that happen in the movie, things, um, the scene that's the hardest for me to watch is when they're taking blood from blood samples from everybody, and they're slicing their thumbs open. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I've and I've I've seen that I've seen that scene in on other shows with famous scenes and stuff. That always it always reminds me of the scene from Deep Space Nine where they're trying to find out who the changeling. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> they're taking samples from them, yeah. Very similar. Yes, the the thing is is a justified classic. All right. My first one or no, my second one, sorry. <laughs> my second one is uh the entity from It Follows. Um, if you've never seen It Follows, it's essentially a terrifying PSA about promiscuous sex. <laughs> because it, have either one of you guys seen it? It's, it Follows? It's on my list. It's on my list. I've heard nothing but good things about okay. it. If you have sex with someone who the entity is following, then it starts following you. And if it catches you, then you die. But it just walks. It doesn't run. It just walks. You can You can run away from it. You can go to the other side of the earth. But it never stops coming. It's just it's just coming to get you. Seriously, are we not doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get it to stop, the only way to get it to stop is to have sex with somebody else. And then it'll go after them until it kills them. And then it'll start coming for you again. You know, so... It's uh, like I said, it doesn't run. It can look like anybody, and it's just it's so, coming. All right, so and hey, it's uh, uh, question. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So you said promiscuous sex. What if I? What if I'm in a committed relationship? What if I married? What if I married someone who, you know, a year ago had sex with somebody uh, that it followed, and it's just now getting around to the person that I'm married to. I wasn't, you know, we're in, we're we're like we're legit. I got a ring. He put a ring on it, or she put a ring on it, whatever. Uh, I'm not still gonna eat me. They don't, they don't, they don't tend to get into relationships because they're kind of spending most of their time looking <laughs> over their shoulder and and staying on the run, running from this thing. So, like uh, the first few scenes in the movie, the the girl that the movie is about, she's on a date with this guy and. He's in the he's they're in the at the movies and he kind of looks uh, at the door of the theater and and it's like hey we got to go and then they get up and leave and you you know later on that it's because the entity just came in the theater and he's got to get out of there so you never know that it's there until it shows up you know so it's uh so people that that it's following um, they yeah, tend to don't stay have on time the line, then. Don't have time to settle unless down. they don't know unless they don't know. 
Yeah, unless they don't know, which is usually the thing is that the the person that passes it to them then explains to them what yeah. what it is because they don't want that person to get killed. They want that sure. person to run because when they get killed, it's going to come for them again. You know, so it's a good movie. I mean, I know I'm explaining it all, no, all I, over the place, I, I, yeah, but sounds, uh, but it's, it's actually a pretty good movie. Well, is is figuring that out? part of the movie or is that kind of all up front and is no he, he they explain everything at the beginning okay. i mean you you within the first 10 10 12 minutes you kind of know what everything what's going on you know so okay go ahead rick with your next okay one. my next one i'm gonna go from a movies to b movies uh the graboids from the tremors films <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> because Tre- I, now, I, I think I might have seen Tremors 2, whatever that was called. That's when they started flying, right? Um, but uh, but Tremors is a classic B-movie to to set the bar for all B-movies. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Fred Ward, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Reba McIntyre's in it. And, uh, oh, the dude with the mustache who's always... Michael. The, the dad from Family Ties. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> and the, the whole idea is Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are a couple of drifters who are just kind of looking for work. And they're in this this town out in the like Arizona desert or something. And these things that are – now, they aren't called Grabbids until several sequels later, but it just kind of stuck. Um, well, no, they, I think they called them that in the first one because they, they, they decided they need to market it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they came up with a name for him. It, it has been a long time since I saw it, but uh, uh, you know, the it it's kind of a take on the Dune sandworm sort of thing. Uh, if these these worm things live under the ground in in the desert, and if they hear any noise, they come up and then they pull you underground and eat you. And there's some some pretty grim scenes, um, but it, you know, it culminates with a showdown with them in this guy in, in the in the town in the in the the convenience store grocery store sort of thing and reba mcintyre and the guy from family ties are held up in their their survival bunker <laughs> it's just, it's a brilliant movie it's so much fun and it's obvious that everybody in the film has a blast doing it uh and they they realize exactly yeah. what kind of film they're making and they have a ball with it uh and the graboids are these big fleshy orange blooded tentacle faced worm things and it's brilliant i love that movie so much <laughs> Yeah, that, that that is a great, uh, this is a great movie. Um, the special effects maybe don't hold up well, right, uh, well yeah. but, but, uh, <laughs> but well, but but the way that it's shot, you don't really see the monsters that often. So it, yeah. so it's still so it's still fine. I had heard that they were going to make a, um, a either a remake or a TV series or something there, like there that. There was a TV series for they a did while. Do a series, oh, what? Okay, yeah. 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 Back in the and '90s, done, when everything was a TV series. Yeah, <laughs> they've, they've done uh, several sequels, and I, th- I think I'd heard that uh, they were. Yeah, I think I saw something about a remake as well. Um, let's see. Let's go to television. You know, one of the questions that um, is often asked at uh, cons uh, is, "Who's your favorite uh, Doctor Who uh, monster? Who's the scariest?" And uh, for me, uh, it's it's got to be the Weeping Angels. Nice. Uh, they, the first one is it uh, Blink or don't Blink? Blink, yeah, Blink. 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 Um, well, they're introduced. Um, 
I mean, you, 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 like, I mean, but you gotta blink. Like, <laughs> I mean, and, it, and again, you know, it is, it is the classic uh, Doctor Who. Um, it's almost a superpower of being able to make something really scary out of something commonplace and everyday and inexpensive to shoot. So the the thing with the weeping angels is they they look like statues. They look like statues that you see all over cemeteries or on on buildings or just around town with, that are the angels with they have their um, their head in their hands. But if you blink or you turn away or you look out of the corner of your eye for just a second, they move, but they move so fast you can't see them so that the next time you look at them they freeze again. The, the term you use is quantum fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in classic, you know, mm-hmm. timey wimey gobbledygook. gobbledygook. <laughs> uh, but basically, as long as you're looking at them, they don't move. But as soon as you turn away, they move super fast. And obviously, you can't look in all directions at once. And obviously, you can't not blink forever. So, you know, much like I guess it follows, it's one of those things that eventually it's going to get you. And um, yeah. it's it's they 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 as um, as the series went on, they got kind of looser with the rules of them, yeah, and yeah. and kind of I would say diluted the 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 amount of menacing that they are. It's like oh, you can like like they like imprint on your eye or something, you know. And, and it it I still enjoyed the episodes. But uh, I feel like that that first, the the quote unquote pure weeping angels is is like the one that I think of as as you know probably like the scariest Doctor Who monster. Well, yeah, they used them too much because I mean they eventually made it so that any statue can be an angel, you know. And the right, they turned the statue of an angel. angel you know? being, yeah, the, the 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 cherubs were kind of creepy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, when they get to the point where you're basically almost any statue yeah. can turn out to be an angel, you know, I I'm starting to I'm starting to think, yeah, I think they're starting to use these guys a little too much because that's that's what happened to the Daleks. You know, the Daleks were scary when they first started using them back in the '60s, but they're not scary anymore, right? <laughs> because they've been used so much, so and defeated <laughs> over <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, Rose killed all of them, and they still came yeah. back. <laughs> well, y'all you, know why about that, right? Is that the uh, the um, Terry Nations was the the writer who created the Daleks, uh, and his estate. He's he's passed away. Uh, his estate will the the rights of the to use the Daleks will revert to his estate if a season goes by that the, the BBC doesn't do a Dalek episode. Uh, so yeah. they have to do a Do- at least one Dalek episode every season to keep the, the right to use the Daleks. Pretty genius. Yeah. Yep. And I agree. I mean, I love Dr. Who and I love Daleks, but damn, it's time to retire those things. Yeah. And that's how Fox has got, and that's how they keep the X-Men. Yeah. The same deal. <laughs> and the fantastic well, four. That's why they keep every now and then they, yeah. they squeeze out and, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they they pinch out for another movie. Yeah. All right, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, is it Sean. Yeah, my turn. Uh, number three is Samara from The Ring. Good. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what it is about when the monster is a child, but it really does make it <laughs> a lot scarier. <laughs> um, I'll be the first to admit that the I think the Ring series has kind of overstayed its welcome. The the last one that came out last was it last year or the year before? Um, it wasn't scary. But yeah, it was just first like Rings, time, right? Yeah, Rings. The but the first time that I saw the first movie, it was terrifying, and the scariest part about it was. This little girl climbed out of a well and walked toward the TV screen and then crawled out of the TV screen and she's twisting her arms and her legs in unnatural ways and she's dripping with water and her clothes are all dirty and her hair is hanging down on her face and stuff and it was just it was just freaking me out. <laughs> but uh, but like I said, you know, using her again and again has become less scary over time and then of course they they used her in parodies like the scary movie series and stuff like that. And which kind of kind of ruined a little bit of the mysteriousness of the character. But uh, if you go and watch the first movie and you just treat it as a standalone film, it really holds up. It's still it'll still kind of creep you out, you know. And I've never seen the original Japanese version, the uh, Ringu that it was based on. It is terrifying. But I hear that it. it yeah, I hear terrifying. that it's even more disturbing. So. <laughs> I got to I got to disagree with you on this one. Um, okay. Because I watched it for the first time last year, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, uh, and as as we've established, I'm I'm a big beanie when it comes to this stuff. But because what is scary about that character has become such a a, a part of the zeitgeist of yeah. pop culture, nothing about it was new or or surprising to me, and so the whole movie it was just kind of like. Oh, that's you know I I let you know Living Color and Mad TV and you know how many times has it been yeah. parodied, parodied? So it was. I I can dig why it would be scary. Coming at it fresh, and if I had seen it in cinemas yeah. back in the nineties when it came out, probably I would have been you know hiding in my closet going don't don't sleep can't sleep won't ever sleep again um <laughs> but i think that unless you've been hiding under a rock and are completely unfamiliar with all of the tropes of this film it doesn't hold up anymore i could i can see that yeah i can see that, I can see that. yeah um yeah because right. if it doesn't scare me <laughs> it's not going to scare anyone <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was, I was, well, was going to say it's plus, again. It's another one of those things where, um, because the thing is, you watch you watch the video and then you die in in uh, seven days. Seven days later, you die. Yeah, and yeah. so it, it's a, it's another one of those. It, it it's another one of those things where you know again, like it follows or the the um, the, the weeping angels. <clears throat> like no matter what you do, you can't get away. Like yeah. no matter what you do, you can't get away from it, and and so I, I think that's um, that to me was like the, the 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 like the scary concept, and, and and you know like you said, Rick, like like a lot of the visuals are, are old hat at this point, but they they hadn't really been done on American screens when the movie first came out. Yeah, and I I did like the uh, well, do we spoil a movie that's almost twenty years old now? Yeah, I think you're fine. Um, yeah, I think it's I, I, think I it's fine. <laughs> did like the fact, and this this is something that uh, I, I kind of get a kick, I, not a get a kick out of, but I I appreciate the fact that at the end the the yeah. protagonist did everything right, and it didn't matter. 
Right. Yeah, kind of yeah, like. They, the, go ahead. Yeah, kind of like. Did y'all see uh, the the Lady in Black? No. Daniel Radcliffe, so. gothic horror kind of film. Oh no no no! I know. I'm thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of the Crimson Crim- Crimson Peak. Was that was Crim- similar. I, yeah. I enjoyed that yeah, one. It was, it was all right. Hilston yeah. is. I have a man crush on him. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I think that the eventually the the Samara the ghost would lose uh, victims because eventually you're going to get to a generation that they're going to look at a videotape and not know what they're or have a to machine to it. watch it with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, so nobody would nobody would ever watch it. Well, again. isn't that the isn't that the that's that's what the one last year was right? Like it was it, it was like a, it was like a YouTube. I think clip it was or still. It, no, I think it was still a videotape. I think, I think, if I'm remembering it right, that was the one that had Johnny Galecki in it, and um, I think it was still a videotape. They they just found the same tape. It was basically just a rehash of the old. I mean, there wasn't anything really new about it, which was weird because I thought that with it being, you know, 2016 when it came out, that it would have a lot to do with streaming services and stuff like that. But because if that thing got out on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> to be exhausted because, like, how many people can it kill of, in a week? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd have a lot of victims in like an hour. Or so. After these messages, Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hai Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an event podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it, right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So Watch this space, subscribe, 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 and we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) Follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTVpod. Visit our website at CRTVpodcast.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CRTVpod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life. A little bit more geek in your week. Then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com where we talk about everything from movies and television. Comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean.
himself godzilla i love godzilla i have loved godzilla ever since i was a kid uh and i know that there was a time back in the in the 70s and 80s when he was considered to be a good guy but then back in the the late 90s to early 2000s toho realized godzilla was best as a villain and he's gone back to just stomping the crap out of the world now, sadly, last month, uh, as we're recording this, uh, the original actor who played Godzilla, who was in the suit, passed away. Uh, but he was like 88, I think, or 91, something like that. So, um, yeah. But uh, now I'm not talking the CGI Godzilla. I'm certainly not talking about that Matthew Broderick travesty. <laughs> I'm talking dude in a rubber suit Godzilla stomping on miniature Tinker Toy <laughs> jeeps and tanks and stuff and uh you know his entire rogues gallery of other monsters and gilas and king Ghidra and and uh, rodan and mothra and spiga and the smog monster and just i love that whole universe of of uh kaiju giant monsters who just really don't care about humanity at all they're just fighting, and if cities get squashed in the process, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, because I mean, they don't know what a city is. No. Or... <laughs> and yeah. Godzilla is something of a joke here in the states, but in Japan, the only nation on Earth that has ever had a nuclear bomb used against them—not only one, but two. Yeah. Godzilla was a very important. Uh, cultural touchstone to try to deal with that national pain of theirs and because originally and you know i folks may or may not know uh you know the origin of godzilla was in the original godzilla king of the monsters back in 1950 something or other oh 54 um the whole idea was that nuclear testing mutated a dinosaur and brought out and turned it into godzilla and then Godzilla came out and wrought vengeance upon the world, breathing radioactive fire and 200 feet tall and stomping on things. Uh, and I, you know, if you've ever seen the original Godzilla King of the Monsters, if you've seen the English version, uh, the English dubbed version, they kind of shoehorn, um, oh, dude that played Ironside, um, Raymond Burr, into it uh, right. to to when they released it in the states, so that there was a, you know a white guy for folk U.S. people to relate to. Um, it, it makes it really makes no sense for him to be in there, but uh, it's 
it's not it's not tongue in cheek like the later Godzilla movies became. They they played it really serious. Uh, and, you know, for 1954, a guy in a rubber suit stomping on little cities, it didn't really it, it the, the, the comedy of it didn't play yet. It wasn't until later when special effects got more sophisticated. Um, you know, it was funny. I remember when the Matthew Broderick Godzilla was was being advertised and I was psyched. I was like, cool, a Godzilla with modern special effects. This is going to yeah. be awesome. And friends of mine were like, "Were you? Are you worried about it not being good?" And I'm like, "It's a Godzilla movie. It's supposed to suck." And then they they made it suck in a whole new way. Yeah, you got a really bad to screw up a Godzilla film. Yeah. Um, and the the most recent one, I enjoyed it. I wish there had been more Godzilla in it. But uh, and if you've seen uh, Kong and on Skull Island, they are. Very clearly, and it's it's also been widely reported, they are setting this up for King Kong versus Godzilla. And I couldn't be happier about that. <laughs> Have you seen this movie Colossal that came out last year? No. With um it's got I, I haven't really, seen it either. I really I just, I've heard it. a lot it's about on, it. It's on it's on it's on Yeah, it's got Anne Hathaway. It's on the red box now. It's on the red box now. Colossal? Yeah, it's got Anne Colossal. Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, and basically um she um I think she steps into like a sandbox or something like that, and every time she moves, there's a kaiju over in Japan that makes her exact same <laughs> movements. So she's smashing up cities and stuff, and she doesn't even realize. Oh, that sounds doing. familiar. Yeah, and, I did hear uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to watch it, and uh, I'll probably check it Very out. Very well weekend. reviewed. All right, John, what's the next one on your list? Uh, the next one on my list is a villain. Not a monster. Well, you know, a human. Still a monster. Um, Walter White from Breaking Bad. Ooh, yeah. Um, I can't think of a time where there's ever been such... um, such attention and care given to the origin story of, uh, of an evil genius. Like, you know, usually, you know, you might get like a flashback or like a five minute or, you know, I was, you know, they were mean to me as a kid. So now I want a world. But, you know, the, basically the entirety of the show um, and the, the creator said it, you know, a million times, you know, how, how do you turn Mr. Chips into Scarface? And and so, like, you're yeah. you're you're along for the ride every step with him and. And uh, he, you know, uh, he said like one of his favorite things was the, again the creator. Um, one of his favorite things was like when talking to fans. At what point did he lose you? <laughs> you know, at what at what point? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. that's too far because you know right from jump, um, you know Walter White discovers he has cancer, and he's like, okay, I need to. And he's a teacher, and he works a you know crappy little part time job in a car wash. And he's like, I'm going to die, and I need to leave money behind for my family. Okay, noble noble pursuit. The fastest way that I can make money with the skills that I have is to create and sell meth. Uh, well, okay, all right, okay. Um, so you know he's a drug dealer from job. He's kind of incompetent at it. Um. But he's a yeah. drug dealer. But, you know, he doesn't really lose you. And he s- s- begins this s- 
slow, you know, almost equal parts accidental, circumstantial, deliberate spiral um, into the depths of depravity and the just straight evil. You know, again, and it's so subtle. It's so wonderfully done, you know, over the, over the course. Yeah, because he, he, he runs into obstacles, which may be other drug dealers right. or drug kingpins or whatever, and he has to figure out how I'm going to get past this obstacle, and every every single time it makes him a little bit worse of a person. It does, and it also it's also <laughs> it's also really smart the way they do it because um, he's usually a better person than the person he's fighting, you know, or or the yeah. person he's against. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, yes, he's a drug dealer, and maybe he killed somebody by accident, but this guy's a professional hitman. He kills people all the time. Yeah. He's way worse than Walter White. So you still want Walter White to win, you know. And it, and it and it's it, it gets he gets worse and worse and worse. And you know, then like the dialogue, like he'll say this thing, or maybe he'll do this thing. You know, okay, well that's too far. That's that. Now you're bad. You're just too bad. Yeah. But you still you're invested in the character, and you want to know, and the people around him. You know, it's it's. I'm not I'm not a big. I'm not the guy who who you know wants to watch the train wreck. I'm not I'm not the you know I don't watch like Faces of Death. Or, I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not the one who wants to see stuff go yeah. bad. No pun intended. Um, but this this show got me. This is one of the best shows like of all time for that. Like for 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 the main character is the the villain of the story is the hero of the story, and like yeah. it's it's you know. It's I, I you know, yeah, yeah, slow golf clap, golf clap. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and Rick, I know you've never seen uh, Breaking Bad. That is correct. But yeah, um, spoilers. I would say the <laughs> first the the first season is like six episodes. Watch those six episodes, and if you're not hooked, that if you're not hooked by the end of the first season, then you're probably not going to get into it. But I would. That is a really masterfully done uh, show. The writing and the acting and everything is just—I can't—I can't hype it enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, it, you know, it, I've the more I hear about it, everything you've heard about it, it deserves every acclaim you've heard. I, I've heard it's, you know, it, you know, I, I've heard, I know what it's about more or less. Uh, it just, it just really, you know, like The Sopranos. Uh, or, you know, I watched The Godfather a few years back because uh, one of our uh, one of our former Simply Syndicated people uh, kind of he had never seen Star Trek and I'd never seen The Godfather. So I agreed to watch The Godfather if he had watched some Star Trek. And I think he got the better end of the deal um, <laughs> because while I, you know, I can fully appreciate how very good the movie is and I understand why people love it. I hated every film of it or every frame of it. I didn't care about anyone in it. I didn't. I didn't relate to anyone. I wanted them all to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, you largely it's, got your wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, so, but uh, you know, maybe someday. Maybe someday, but uh, yeah. not anytime soon. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> okay. Uh, my next one is uh, Hannibal Lecter, but it's from the movie Manhunter. Okay. 
the th- this movie is a little bit lesser known because of the shadow that Silence of the Lambs and all of its sequels looms over it. But Manhunter predates Silence of the Lambs by a few years. It came out in 1986, and it was based on the novel Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, uh, which was the first book in that series. Uh, Silence of the Lambs was actually the second book that featured uh, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, William Peterson plays uh, Will Graham, and Brian Cox plays Hannibal Lecter. And he's only in a couple of scenes in the movie. When they, they readapted the movie into the movie Red Dragon later on with uh, Edward Norton and then had Anthony Hopkins come back and play Hannibal Lecter in that. Which is weird. And they gave Hannibal, yeah, they gave Hannibal a whole lot more to do in that film than he originally had in, in the novel. But this one's based on the novel, so he was only in a couple of scenes. But he only needed a few minutes on the screen to make this to make the movie like his movie, even though he's not the villain of the story. He's just he's a prisoner that the protagonist gets uh, information from, and he's it's an understated role. He's got a calm way that he delivers his lines, and I think it's creepier than Hopkins smacking his lips <laughs> <laughs> and all that. But uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter from from Manhunter. That's a it's a really good movie. I have a Hollow Notes song stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. Go ahead with your next one. I guess we got time for one more, maybe some honorable mentions. Okay. I, uh, I I think that we would be remiss, given that it's Halloween, if we didn't mention one of the classics of American cinema, and that is. My favorite of the quote-unquote universal monsters, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I think that's – I've – okay, I've always been a fan of all of them. You know, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and the creature from the Black Lagoon are the ones that are, are you know, the universal monsters, uh, quote-unquote. Uh, and I think of all of the films, while they're all enjoyable to watch, you have to, have to kind of crank your head back to a you know 1950s mentality, uh, especially Dracula. Just the, the story doesn't work so well in some of the it just and the movie just ends. <laughs> have, have any of you watched the original Dracula? I don't think so. It just yeah, I have. It, when I say it ends, I mean that I'm not saying like you know there's an end to the movie. It just stops. <laughs> there's like no real, no real yeah. boss battle at the end of it. It's very different from what we what we expect nowadays. It's just the movie just stops. They, they put a stake in them and it's done. Well, there's a there's a reason for that <laughs> because uh, the originally uh, they had to do some edits for some of the censoring laws that came out in the 50s. And so they actually had to go to a lot of movies and chop pieces out of it. And Dracula actually chopped off the end. And then when some of those laws let up later on, the end was lost. Oh, okay. It never got got put back. Oh, okay. So... (laughs) <laughs> um, that makes a lot more sense because I've I've always yeah. found the ending of that movie because I mean it ends you know the story wraps up but it's just like there's no anyway uh, and then Frankenstein is great but it's you know if you're if you're familiar with the the novel I've read the novel several times I love it it's one of my favorites uh, it's a brilliant classic as it as it should be and no one has touched it yet with cinema in the cinema um, Wolfman is fun but it's a sad. Sad star. All of these are sad. Um, the one thing that the Universal Monsters, for the most part, except for Dracula, had in common is that these creatures were 
sympathetic. They were not. They were not evil were per se. They were, yeah, uh, very much so. And the creature from the Black Lagoon, almost more so. Maybe, maybe the Wolfman. Uh, you know, Lawrence Talbot was probably more of a victim than the creature. Um, but you know, the the costume. Everyone, it, it, whether you know it or not, you've seen this creature. Okay, it's the it's green thing with the big red lips and the gills and stuff. One of the most brilliant costumes, one of the most brilliant monster designs ever. Uh, it was operated by two different people uh, on land. It was Ben Chapman in the in the in the role in the the suit for the for the above water things. But the guy who wore the suit for the underwater stuff uh, was a dude by the name of Rico Rico. I'm not sure. R-I-C-O-U. Rico Browning. And he was able to hold his breath for up to like three or four minutes, which doesn't sound like a lot if you're just walking around. But try holding your breath for three minutes and then try doing it while swimming and while acting (laughs) while wearing this latex suit. Um, I've always been a fan of the the creature from the Black Lagoon and its two sequels, Revenge of the Creature and The Creature Walks Among Us. it's it's very much the the classic. Here is just a a beast from that's in the wrong time, and you know they always show the the him, him carrying the girl, but he's never trying to kill the girl. He's just you know kind of the King Kong thing. He sees this beautiful woman and and falls in love, and then everybody else just sees this horrible monster and shoot at it and throws spears at it and stuff. Um, and the creature walks uh, the creature walks among us. It gets set on fire. <laughs> And then uh-huh. they take it. They take it to uh, like a Sea World kind of place and put it on display. Um, it's just it really poignant movies, especially given the time they're made. Um, and I just I love the design. I love the look of it. The acting in it has always been awesome. It's just it's a wonderful classic movie monster from the classic you know period golden age of movies or whatever you want to call it uh i if you haven't seen the originals please look them up don't don't let the fact that it's black and white or or you know that it's from 19 the 1950s turn you off there was some really really good stuff made back then are they're they're supposed to be making a remake if they if they keep up with their uh well uh, plans that they had after the mummy mummy didn't do very well unfortunately i enjoyed the mummy i had a it was fun but uh yeah yeah, it wasn't very good (laughs) (laughs) just sophia botello though yeah um i will do let's see uh okay i'll do i'll do another villain um, from the Wayback Machine, uh, John Bly from Briscoe County Jr. Ooh, <laughs> John Bly. Oh no, that's the other guy. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, that was uh, that was his henchman. <laughs> you don't um, touch each piece. <laughs> John Bly <laughs> was uh, at the time that I had seen it, which I think it what was it ninety, maybe ninety one. When, it, yeah. when, when that show premiered, uh, was a villain unlike I, any I, I had ever seen. And as the story progressed, he like he became so much cooler. Um, so it's always tough to try to describe this show, but if you've listened to the show, you probably uh, you've heard us talk about it before. But Briscoe County, the adventure, the adventure of Briscoe County Junior. Um, was a western. With uh, sci-fi elements, um, and 
I still don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> what thirty years later. Um, so the the main villain was John Bly, who was uh, uh, what you would think is your classic cowboy villain. He's you know he wears black and he's you know he kills people and he's heartless. But uh, you know what? I'm going to spoil it. You might, yeah, you might as well because even if you want to watch it, it's very hard to find now. <laughs> so, it is, it is hard yeah. to find. <laughs> Turns out, uh, John Bly, aside from being a classic cowboy villain, uh, he's a criminal mastermind. He's like an evil kung fu gunslinger from the future. He's yeah. so freaking awesome, and he's his his acting, his delivery. It's it's menacing in an almost I don't want to say effeminate, but it's 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 very it's, it's snake like, you know it's it's very surprisingly it's it's yeah I, I, I know exactly nice. what you mean and I you know I was right, thinking he's, effeminate he's, too but that's not quite right is it's it it's not really effeminate <laughs> but it's it's you know it's I don't want to compare him to uh, like Jack Sparrow, but kind of, in the sense that it's 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 almost delicate. Yeah, I don't want to say I was, I was like wispy. It's not wispy. <laughs> he, he, I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um, it kind it of is, like prim and proper, kind of like a I don't know, almost like because well, some sometimes some of those older it's. It is he is disarmingly subtle. Yeah. So before you realize that you're in trouble, you will be dead. Like it's it's and I can't think of anyone to compare him to. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and and he and, and the thing is, he is always he is always five steps ahead. So you might think you're keeping a secret, but he already knows. And you might think that you're like tricking him, but he's already tricked you. It's, uh, uh, but it, but not in that annoying way where the good guys never win, but in the way that he is a genius from the future, so he knows what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, Briscoe County was a lot like Firefly in that it only got one season and should have. It, yeah. It, the we, promise of that show was, so, if it had gone on, would have been so amazing. I was gonna say it redefined the genre, but it really just kind of invented the genre. Yeah, like, invented, much, yeah. Like, much like Firefly, it 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 created and um, you know, what I was, and I was gonna say much like Firefly and Cowboy Bebop, which I think we I, I saw a discussion on uh, Facebook about. Um, yeah, I haven't started watching it yet. All of those blend westerns, so maybe there's just something in the DNA of, of the western that makes it adaptable. And uh, ripe for uh, for being blended with these other genres in, in new and creative ways, but uh, yeah, and he was he was the perfect foil for Briscoe, who was himself really smart and clever and adaptable, but not nearly. He was. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Briscoe didn't plan ahead. Briscoe no. always, always, you know, he would have like, you know, the rough outline of a plan, and <laughs> and and then he just kind of make it up as he went along, and it would usually work because he was very smart and he was physically fit and all that stuff. But you know, uh, John Bly was like 
this master chess player who set stuff up, you know, on episode two and you didn't even realize it was part of his plan until episode 12 yeah. or, or 20. And it makes perfect sense. Like it, it was, yeah. Whereas Briscoe might be good at checkers. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's smart. He was smart. He was, he was smart. Yeah. But he, he was but not he a strategist. He would, he would be good. Briscoe would cheat at chess. Yeah. <laughs> he would cheat. He would cheat wonderfully. He would cheat masterfully. But Bly would just win. Now, folks, if you don't know, if you know, uh, Briscoe County Jr. was played by Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And he that was my first exposure to Bruce Campbell. So when I later saw Army of Darkness, which I didn't realize was Evil Dead 3, uh, it kind of it kind of hit me broadside because <laughs> the two characters could not be more different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me just find the actor's name. Uh, yeah, I watched I watched him on Briscoe Kenny Jr. and then uh, he was a uh, he was Atalicus on Xena. Uh, yeah, for a good while. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what that year, the year that Briscoe County was on, they were both on Fox, was one of the best, my favorite years of TV because Briscoe County was on at eight, and the X Files were on at nine every Friday night, and it, that was an awesome <laughs> two hours of TV. <laughs> Billy Drago, that was his name. Yeah. The act, the actor playing uh, John Bly was was uh, Billy Drago, and I've seen him in a couple of other things, and and apparently that that's kind of his style. It seems like that that kind of maestro like mm-hmm. um, delivery. So I it, it might have just been the perfect coincidental happy accident that he was cast in this role, but that. You know, it, it fit him perfectly. And, um, you know, I will always give a shout out to Briscoe County when oh, yeah. called upon. A very underrated show. That show deserved yeah. far better than it got. Yeah, thanks, Fox. <laughs> thanks, Fox. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Fox is on it. I'll go on my Fox rant again. Fox doesn't give anything a chance. Uh, do you guys have any honorable mentions you want to throw out? I got honorable mentions. Um, you guys can go okay, first since I just Me? Well, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll throw mine out. My my only one is Cujo because <laughs> uh, I think I think one thing that can make a monster a little more a little more memorable is to make it realistic. So you know we can laugh about uh, aliens uh, or monsters uh, destroying cities, but when it's just a mom and her son and they're <sighs> holed up in a car because there's a rabid dog outside, you know, yeah. that can really happen. <laughs> You know, so that's uh, that's my honorable mention. Okay. Go ahead, John. Uh, I've got a few, uh, mostly mostly villains. Uh, Wilson Fisk from uh, Daredevil. Yeah, D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah, D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Um, the Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth with the high with the eyes and the hands. I almost said that yeah. one. So creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh. uh Oh, and you know what? I'll say um, Vader from Rogue One. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I was never... I realized, I recognized that he was a bad guy. I've, obviously, I've seen all the Star Wars movies, but I was never... I never was scared of Vader until that last scene. <laughs> yeah. And that was he, the badass Vader we'd always been told existed. Yes, yes the unstoppable <laughs> force. No. You know, I will take that pun. I will take that pun. Um, all right, so yeah, that's um, yeah, that's all my honorable mentions. 
You know, the only thing about that scene, I, I love that scene. I wouldn't change a thing about it. But if you think about it, it means that like a month later, for some reason, this guy that can move like that and fight is walking like he's strapped to a broomstick. <laughs> Look, Just man, we can, we can only retcon one thing per movie, okay? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, my honorable mention is Alex from A Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, uh, oh, played yeah. played by Malcolm McDowell. Uh, the you know, granted the the majority of the credit goes to Anthony Burgess for his book, but the fact that he's an absolute irrepressible, heartless bastard through the entire film, <clears throat> but the way the story goes, uh. <sighs> I'm not going to spoil it, not because I'm worried about spoiling a movie that came out in 72, but because it's way too damn complicated. Um, yeah. But when he goes back to being a villain at the end, you're actually cheering. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's just, to me, that was always a marvel of storytelling. And I don't know that it would have been quite as potent if without Malcolm McDowell's flawless performance of Alex. I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I, I think the him singing, singing in the rain during that scene was improvised. I believe you're right, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other scene, not the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what, it actually, it makes me a little sick to my stomach just thinking about that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not a film you want to watch, you know, it's not like a, oh, I'm sick, let's put on a clock record. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. Yeah. A little of the old ultraviolence. The old ultraviolence. Welly, welly, well. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let's close that. Well, I don't want to forget about the Velociraptor. <laughs> the, the <laughs> They're memorable too. Yeah. Uh, but that then is another one of those they should have gone in the in the uh, episode where we were looking at things from a different angle because the the dinosaurs were not bad. <laughs> they were just dinosaurs. Yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> so, true. Uh, yeah. So, I guess that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Uh, Rick, thanks for being here tonight. My pleasure. Thank you. And John, as always. As always, right back at you, man. And I want to remind you guys that by the time this episode airs, we will be in the middle of making uh, the Simply Syndicated Discovery After Show. So, you're going to find it over at simplysyndicated.com and all the usual places like iTunes and all that. So, come check it out. Watch uh, Star Trek Discovery. And then check us out a couple of days later when we'll be talking in depth about the plot from that week. And you, as far as this show, you can find it on the website at CosmicPotato.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And uh, leave us a rating and a review. Five-star ratings are the best. And if you <laughs> want to get in touch with us, just uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter or email us at mail at CosmicPotato.com. And thanks for listening. Be sure to join us right here next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear John say, <laughs> Welcome to Fly, Float, Fall, the rapid fire game show where we explore what happened to various things that they were dropped out of a 10th story window. Some of these things have more than one correct answer. There'll be no debating. Just shout it out if you know it. I'm not keeping individual scores because I don't really care. Again, you can only respond with fly, float, or fall. Contestants, are you ready? I'm ready. Yep. All right, let's begin. A banana. Fall. King Kong. Fall. Fall. 
The, De- oh. the DeLorean from Back to the Future 1. Fall. Fly. Superman. Oh, no fall. Fly. Fly. Clark Kent. Fall. Jeff Goldblum. Fly. <laughs> fall. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum in the fly. Fall. That's fly. right. Fall. He could not fly. Muhammad Ali. Float. Fall. Muhammad Ali in the oh, ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Float like a butterfly. DeLorean from Back to the Future 2. Fly. Fly. Magneto. Fly. Fly. A ghost. Float. Fly. Water vapor. Float. What? What? Water vapor. Float. A- oh, float. Raisin bran. <laughs> Fall. Bran from Game of Thrones. Fall. Three out raven. Fly. Fly. The tick. Fall. Arthur. Fly. Arthur from the PBS Arthur? Kids Show. Fall. <laughs> A balloon. Float. Float. A stapler. Fall. Fall. The Riddler. Fall. Angel from X-Men. Fly. Fly. Angel from Buffy. Fall. An, an angel from heaven. Fly. Float. Bullwinkle the moose. Fall. What? Bullwinkle. I didn't hear that one. Bullwinkle the moose. Fall. Rocky the squirrel. Fly. Fly. R&B singer Usher. Fall. Fall. And the house of Usher. Fall. Fall. Correct. (laughs) Way to go, guys. Well done. (laughs) They're all correct. Uh Uh-oh. I think we lost lost John. (laughs) I guess guess John was done. (laughs) Good night.